Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Jesus said that John the Baptist was a lamp that burned and gave light to the world. Are you a light that's burning for Jesus? John burned for Jesus, continually pointing people to Jesus as the Savior of the world. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 5 and learn how we can live our lives increasingly on fire for Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Friday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are doing well and just spending time with Jesus. Uh, uh, we say this over and over and over and over. There is literally nothing in our life of more value than spending time with Jesus, than growing to know Jesus. Jesus says, said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So as you spend time, as you grow to know Jesus, you grow in your relationship with your heavenly Father as well. We have a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're three individual beings. They're all God. And when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, when we receive Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior, you know, John 1.12 said to all who received him and believed in his name, uh, he gave the right to become children of, of our Heavenly Father, you know, children of God. We God the Father becomes our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ becomes your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King, your Husband. We're the Bride of Christ. We're part of the Body of Christ. The Holy Spirit becomes our Guide, our Counselor, our Comforter. And, and then the meaning of our life is, is to have growing relationship with the Trinity that we want to walk in deeper and more intimate relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we have to be intentional in order to do that. We have to spend time with them. Uh, we have to spend time in the scriptures and the living word of God. As we're going to see, the living word of God needs to remain in us, needs to abide in us. And, uh, and we have to obey the word of God. We have to increasingly grow and obeying the scriptures and living out the scriptures and repenting where we fall short. Um, and none of this, Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So when we, when we study our Bible and we see something's out of place, we simply, we go to the Lord and we repent. And we say, you know, Lord Jesus or Father or Holy Spirit, I, I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry. This is, this is out of place in my life. Whatever it is, right? Um, if we're not spending time in the scriptures and, you know, we can just, we just ask forgiveness and say, Father, I do want to get to know you better. And I want to spend more time with you. And I ask you to forgive me. I want to have a deep and vibrant and growing relationship with you. So whatever it is. You know, if, if our language is a little loose, we can, you know, we, you just ask for forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for, for my loose language. I'm sorry, Lord. Um, you know, whatever it is, if, uh, you know, if you've just had a season where you've been apathetic or indifferent and you really haven't given yourself to Jesus, you just, just ask him to forgive you. Forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. If, uh, 
you know, if, you know, if you've just been, uh, again, like I said, indifferent, you can say, Holy Spirit, I, I ask you to help me. I ask you to help me to live a more Christ-centered life. And all of these things are just, they're a means to grow in relationship with the triune God. And again, that's the meaning of, of life once you become a Christian. So today we're going to discuss John 5 verses 31 to, to 47. We are finishing up John 5. Lord willing, this is a lot of verses, more than we normally tackle. Um, and it's just exciting stuff, right, Ethan? We're in the scriptures. Um, and as my, uh, my younger brother, uh, his name is Ethan. He's, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's on fire for Jesus Christ. He's a new father. And, uh, you know, he, he is a man of God and works in the kingdom of God. But, uh, he has a passion that, 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 that people understand that the Bible didn't just fall out of the sky. Right. I believe Ethan, that was a, the statement you used yesterday that, you know, there was, there was immense purpose, immense purpose that goes into this. There was an immense process. He had, uh, he had sent me a, uh, uh, a, a well-written document that I'm still, I'm still working through. I just got it yesterday. And they're, they're the five P's that just talk about the scripture and, you know, just, just, the incredible manner in which it came to be, you know, how these books were put together over like 1500 years and the intentionality of it. The fact that, that the scriptures themselves declare themselves to be the, the very word of God. Um, there's the personal uh, testimony of the scriptures. There's, so there's these five P's. And again, I'm, 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 Again, I just got this yesterday, like five o'clock, um, and it's the the morning here. So uh, anyway, it's I, I like it, man. I'm excited, and uh, we need to remember that our Bible didn't fall out of the sky. This is the this is the living Word of God, and immense intentionality has gone into it. Um, and uh, so when we give ourselves to it. We ought to be a little less cavalier, right, Ethan? We ought to be, sometimes we can be a little cavalier when we come to the scriptures and we don't know the 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 price that was paid, you know, to get to where we are by countless individuals to get to have the Bible that we have. And it's still happening. Um, uh, Ethan was sharing with me yesterday how there was a... Uh, uh, you know, a, a man that that he very much appreciates that does just uh, just does immense work in in this process of preserving the scriptures, and so um, that's all of that goes into that. And that's not something I I personally pay a lot of attention to. I've been blessed to have this Bible, but thinking about that, I feel a little more blessed. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So. All right, let's roll John 5, 31 to 47. Jesus speaking, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies in my favor, 
and I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and he chose for a time, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John for the very work that the Father has given me to finish in which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do worship you. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your love, Father. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, we do invite you into this time. We thank you for the scriptures. Above all, Father, more than anything else, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Open the scriptures to our heart, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 5, 31. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There, there's a principle. Jesus is speaking here that when human beings testify about themselves, then, you know, what you say about yourself, you know, everybody tends to often speak the best about themselves. And uh, that's something we would do well just to... Uh, just to consider, right, Nathan? I mean, we would probably be better off, if not certainly, not with condemnation, not to look down on ourselves, but we would do better off by speaking about our weaknesses, as Paul said, than we would about our strengths. But people, we live in a culture that's consistently promoting itself. I did not know this. Uh, I don't have any any social media, but my daughter Kristen taught me a few years back that social media really exists underneath it all for self-promotion. 
right, sweetheart? She taught me that the reason people have Facebook and, and all these other things is they are tools to really put yourself forward and promote yourself and paint yourself in the best light. And I forget exactly how she explained it to me, but it was a fairly detailed, in-depth explanation. And, you know, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't understand it in full, but, you know, she breaks it down for me in small parts so I can get it. And, you know, basically she explained to me that when people are posting on their Facebook and Instagram, they don't, they don't, they don't post the most butt ugly pictures, right? They, they, they post the things that paint them in the best light, right? Like, like, like everybody doesn't wake up and just have their hair all messed up, their eyes blotched, you know, just uh, no makeup on and just be like, snap, I'm going to post that. I've never posted anything, but apparently that's not what you do. You wait till you're just, I mean, set up, got it all looking good, right? And then you go ahead and you want to post that. Testimony about ourselves is not valid. I think it, what was it? Deuteronomy 19, 15 or something, Stephen, some around there where what Jesus is saying here is it was by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Let two or three witnesses say good things about you and let that be the testimony. And so this is what Jesus is saying, right? He's, he's really speaking to the principle. And again, I think it's Deuteronomy 19, maybe verse 15, that, uh, that it was by the testimony of two or three witnesses that things are established. And so when you're speaking good about yourself, the principle is let others do it. Verse 32, there is another who testifies in my favor. And I know that his testimony about me is valid. So Jesus is saying, I'm not testifying for myself, although as God, he certainly could. Um, but as a human being, that's not how it works, he says. And that's not what the Bible taught, as we just said. But he said, there is another who testifies in my favor. And I know that his testimony about me is valid. Who is that? Verse 33, you have sent to John. And he has testified to the truth. John the Baptist, as we learned in the first three chapters, consistently, his life, his life came into existence. God the Father sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist was as faithful a man of God as there ever was. As a matter of fact, Jesus said there was never a greater man in history or woman than John the Baptist. Never has one come, come from woman, been born of woman, that was greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said you got to go to heaven to find one greater than John the Baptist. And here's the reason why. Because John testified to the truth about Jesus. And that's what you and I are called to do. We're called to testify to the truth about Jesus Christ. So, John went forward and consistently pointed to Jesus. Before Jesus came on the scene, he said that the Messiah is coming and you need to prepare yourself and repent of whatever aspects of your life you're not in line with the scriptures. And you need to prepare yourself for the coming Messiah that the Bible had promised throughout the Bible. 
And that that is one of the, I think that's one of the P's, right? E? And, uh, you know, that the Bible testifies of the coming Messiah. I, I could be wrong, but I like that. Um, and we're going to see that later down here. It says, you have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. And that needs to be the, the, that needs to be the pattern of our life, right? You have sent to Lauren and she's testified to the truth. You have sent to May and she's testified to the truth. You have sent to Corinne and she has testified to the truth. You have sent to Uncle Dennis, you've sent to Ethan and they've testified to the truth about Jesus. That's the reason we live. Verse 34, not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. Not that I accept human testimony. Now, this is a very powerful verse, verse 34. Jesus said, I don't accept human testimony. Okay. Now, when you say that and you're looking at like a, a, a large group of people, religious leaders who believe they know their Bible, and you say, I don't accept human testimony. Everybody be like, what did he just say? Who, who does he think he is? Right? Because when you say, I don't accept human testimony, all of us, right, said, you know, as, as the scripture said, established by two or three witnesses, right? Let others speak about us, people, right? But Jesus doesn't take human testimony because he's not human. He's fully God. So he doesn't need human testimony. We're going to see he doesn't need or accept human praise either, right? Now we need to praise him, but it doesn't add to him. And we're going to see that. So just, just imagine that, Corinne. I, I don't I don't need no human testimony. You'd be like, well, bro, well, you know, you are a human being. What testimony are you talking about? Well, he's God. Jesus is full-blown God. And so there's nothing that any of us say that adds to him or takes away from him. Does that make sense? Now, yes, he did take on human flesh for us. God became a human man because he loved us so much. Because our sin, our desperate, vile, horrific sin condition was so bad that God himself had to enter into the world, chose to enter into the world, live a perfect life for you and me, die a perfect death for you and me, and was raised from the dead, completing the work of redemption, that all who receive Jesus, that all who trust in him and rely on him as their only Lord and Savior, will be saved. How do you do that? Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from your sin, come into relationship with the triune God, and ultimately go to, go to heaven. So how do you call on him? It's not the words that save us. Words don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. The words are the vehicle we use to run to Jesus in faith and run to him and confess with our mouth. Romans 10, 9, we run to him and confess, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinful person. I know and I agree with the Bible that I'm a sinful person. Lord, I know that I'm hopeless. I know that I'm helpless. Lord, I know there's nothing I can do. 
But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I do believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Mm. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray. That's how you become a Christian, right? It's not the words you say. You can use the words I used, but it's in it's in running to Jesus in desperation, knowing your complete and total need of him and nothing you can do. God, thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. Verse 34. The only reason I'm saying this is so you may be saved. The reason Jesus speaks is so you and I could be saved and we could grow to know him better. The only reason Jesus said I mentioned John the Baptist, because you notice John was fully human. Jesus was fully man, fully God. But I'm going to mention to you what John said. The only reason I'm telling you what John said is so you can remember that John declared his whole life or his whole ministry that the Savior would come, the Messiah would come. And if you just remember what John said, John pointed everyone to Christ. So Jesus mentions what John said, reminds them of what John said, so that they can trust in him as their savior as well. 35, John was a light. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And he chose for a time, and you chose for a time to enjoy that light. John came out preaching before Jesus came on the scene that, that the Messiah would come, a savior would come. This is what this means, okay? Y'all ready for this? John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. When John came on the scene and said that a savior will come, a Messiah is gonna come to save Israel. In the Jewish leaders' minds, what that meant was that they desired a savior to come as a strong, physical, dominant, conquering king, right? They wanted like an Alexander the Great or a King David in the scriptures. They wanted like a Samson, right? They wanted some overwhelming, powerful, uh, political and military leader that would, that would lead Israel to tremendous glory to where they would be the, the focus of the world. And naturally, once Israel was the focus of the world, all the Jewish leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, would themselves be high-ranking, very powerful officials because right now they were subjected to Rome and it was altogether unpleasant for them. But that's not what Jesus was. Jesus didn't come for a natural or physical deliverance. He came for a spiritual deliverance. John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy it. So they enjoyed John's light, 
until, you know, the Messiah that came on the scene, Jesus, was not this, this overwhelming uh, political and military figure. Jesus had nothing to do with those things. They wanted a conquering king. Jesus came as a suffering servant. But he will come. When he comes again, he will come as a conquering king. That time is over as a suffering servant. So they enjoyed it right until they saw that this was not what they wanted. What they needed, what we all need, is what Jesus came for, and that is a spiritual deliverance of infinitely more value. We are spiritually dead in our sins, and only by receiving Christ into our heart, only by trusting in Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior, can we be delivered from our sinful condition. When you receive Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, all of your sin, past, present, and future, is put to Christ on the cross. And the perfect, righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you. It's the greatest thing ever thought of. That exchange, rap, right? That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. Let me say that again. When you put your, your trust and reliance in Christ alone, Becky, all of your sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Christ at the cross. And the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived on earth is credited to you. That's kind of a nice swap, right? That, that exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. And it's, in, it's, it's, it's not fathomable. Scholars have said it's something that would never be made up. C.S. Lewis said, it would never have been made up in the mind of man. The biblical, clear teaching of the redemption of Jesus Christ and the salvation through Christ alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we are saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 36. Now, let me finish 35, and we're not going to finish this today. Um, John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And you chose for a time to enjoy his light. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. Are you a, are you a lamp that's burning for Jesus? Are you burning for Jesus? Now, a lamp, right? When you light like a kerosene lamp like they had had or, you know, um, when, you, when, you, when you light a lamp, the very nature of a lamp or, or, or any bulb, I think. Is there a bulb that lasts indefinitely for eternity? I don't think so, right? The very nature of a lamp, there's all these lights in here that are blasting on my face for some reason. I get a little sweaty. I don't even know why we need them, but I'll, that's what the IT people say. But um, lamps burn out. And the greatest thing you and I can do, like John the Baptist, is to burn our lamp for Jesus and burn out for Jesus. John the Baptist kept burning for Jesus, burning for Jesus, burning for Jesus. And ultimately he said, I must become less and he, Jesus, must become more. I was studying for this and I, and I, and I, and I read that in, uh, you know, in my study, one of the historical scholars said, you know, a true witness burns out for Jesus. 
Is there anything greater than spending your light, that using your lamp and the oil you have in your lamp and just keep using it until one day it burns out and you've burned it all out. You've spent your energy magnifying Jesus, glorifying Jesus as John the Baptist did. And you're taken home to see Jesus. There could be nothing greater than that. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And you chose for a time to enjoy his light. 36, I have testimony weightier than that of John. Yes, Jesus does. John the Baptist was sent and, and was as great a man of God as there ever was. I have testimony or weightier than that of John. Anything Jesus says is weightier than anything any human being could say. We ought not say a whole lot anyway, just ought to repeat what Jesus says. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the very work that the Father has given me to finish, in which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. So now, you remember back in 30, 32 when he says, there are, there's another who testify. Here's the second witness. I have testimony weightier than John. For the very work that the Father has given me to finish, in which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. What was the work? The whole thing that started this discussion in the beginning of this chapter is that Jesus healed a paralyzed man who had been paralyzed 38 years. When you see that, paralyzed 38 years, they, they had this, you remember, they, 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 they had this legend, it could have been an urban legend, could have been true that an angel would come down, stir up all the waters, and the one who got in there first would would be healed of their sickness. And we taught that back several teachings ago. And Jesus walks up to the man um, and says, do you want to get well? Same thing he's saying to all of us. And then the man goes into a long speech, how, you know, I can't get down in the water. And every time the water stirred, the angel go down in there, but someone else gets in there with me first and I can't get healed. Stephen said, Jesus said, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And pow, the man is infused. And gets up, takes his bedroll, his sleeping bag, rolls it up, and walking about. It's a devastating miracle. It's overwhelming. There's not even words to it. It's so powerful. By the way, Jesus didn't get down and stir the water. He spoke. The word of God spoke. Get up. The man got up. That's the power of the word of God. <laughs> yeah, Leah. So... That's a miracle beyond reason, right? It's a miracle, Jose, that we cannot conceive. It's a miracle only God could do. Jesus is God. You would have thought that the Pharisees or the, the, the religious leaders would have been happy about that. But they were just upset because the man was carrying his sleeping bag. They didn't say to the man, hey, man, congratulations, rejoice, praise God, Thank you, Jesus. They didn't say none of that. They were just mad that he was carrying his sleeping bag. We can get religious sometimes. And uh, they gave no praise to Jesus. They didn't congratulate the man. Imagine that. Paralyzed 38 years and all they're mad is that you're carrying your bedroll because they had made up these rules. The Bible said that you were not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath in the Old Testament. And so they made up over 600 rules and uh, 
in one of those rules where you, you couldn't carry your, your bedroll or your sleeping bag or whatever you slept on. It wasn't in the Bible. So they were mad at Jesus. They're trying to kill Jesus because he's not keeping some man-made rule. Instead of seeing the incredible miracle and understanding that that miracle he did testified, was the father testifying that this is my son. For the very work that the father has given me to finish in which I am doing testifies that the father has sent me. Jesus said that the father sent him. Jesus claimed to be equal with the father. And when they saw that miracle, they should have accepted the fact that this man is the savior of the world, but they wouldn't. Verse 37. And the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Here's the third testimony. Remember where Jesus says, there's another that testifies, John, the miracles he's doing. And now he says, like we said in Deuteronomy, it said, you know, by the, you know, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, here are his witnesses. John the Baptist was one. Oh, that, that was human. He said, I don't even need that, but I'll say that so you could be saved. The second one was the work that he's doing. When you saw the miracle, that's a testimony that the father sent me. In verse 37, and the father who sent me, this is the third, has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form. Verse 38, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. We'll finish up here. When did the father testify about Jesus? You remember when, what is it, Luke 3, is it 22, um, where Jesus is being baptized and heaven is opened and, and the, the, the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. The father testified from heaven. Right? You'll see the scripture on the bottom of the screen. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So again, the father testifying audibly into, into the world that he's well pleased with Jesus. Not only that, Ethan, right? Throughout the whole test uh, throughout the whole old testament, the father testified to Jesus with all the prophecies about Jesus. There are like 300 prophecies pointing to Jesus that are all fulfilled. And then, you know, in this document Ethan gave me yesterday, there's like 10 or 12 of them that are just, that are just obvious. There's overwhelming evidence that the Father has testified that Jesus is the Son of God. It said that, that, that Jesus would live in Egypt back in the Old Testament. It said that he'd be born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. Um, it, it, there, there are just countless testimonies, right? It said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Um, so the father has testified himself to Jesus as well. So there's all this massive testimony. This Bible didn't fall out of the sky. The, this is the word of God. It's God's word to us. And it proclaims to us over and over and over and over in the Old Testament. And then there's a whole New Testament given to us so that we'll believe that. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ today? 
You have all the testimony that one could ever need. You don't need, you don't believe me. You don't believe your mom and dad. You don't believe a pastor. You believe the scriptures. And then it, then you go on to proclaim it. Hmm. Verse 37, and the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. That's a very heavy handed word. Jesus is telling the religious leaders, the Jews, you have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Never. Why? Nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. The more time you'll spend in the scriptures, the more time you'll spend in the Bible, the more time that you'll give yourself to just spending time with Jesus, as we say, over and over and over, nor does his word dwell in you, more that the, that the word of God would dwell in you, and you just take it at face value, right? It's good for you to you know, for you to have teachers and to have preachers in a good Bible-based church that are teaching you the scriptures, but you yourself want to be in this word of God and studying it and giving your time to it. And just, um, you know, you want to feed on it. Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone, Matthew 4, 4, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's your Bible and my Bible. It was given to us by God, preserved for us in the way we've talked about today. But he tells them that they've never heard the voice of God. And it's because the word of God does not dwell in them. They had read the word of God, but it doesn't dwell in them. They haven't rested in the word of God. And then above all, for you do not believe the one he sent, who is Jesus you don't have Jesus, you, you don't have anything. You could have the word of God, as we're going to see next time, and not have Jesus. But that's because you're not reading the word of God or studying the word of God or putting, your place in a, putting yourself in a place to be taught the word of God in the proper way. Because the word of God through the entire Old Testament tells us that we need a Messiah. The entire theme of the Bible is that we as human beings have gone bad and failed terribly in sin, and that a Savior would come, that God himself would enter the world. He loved us so much and live a perfect life for us and die a perfect death for us and be raised from the dead. Hmm. You want to really know the one true God. The whole, the whole New Testament was written in Jesus, and it outlines clearly the Savior and as I said, in Christ, we have, we, we have relationship with every member of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of Jesus lives in us when we, when we know Jesus. Nor does his word dwell in you. Begin to dwell in the word of God today more and more. Begin to listen to good, sound Bible teaching. Be a part of a good Bible-based sound church that all they do is talk about the scriptures. 
It's a very sad thing, he tells him. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. You cannot hear the voice of God, nor have eyes that see him or ears that hear him, unless you know Jesus Christ. And that's the Christ of the scriptures. The Christ that the scriptures put forth. God the Son himself, Jesus Christ, full-blown almighty God, gave his life for you and me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the living word of God, the Holy Scriptures. Holy Spirit, we ask you to continue to give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. Heavenly Father, we worship you and we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the scriptures, Father. And again, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our Alpha and our Omega, our beginning and our end, our first and our last, our only King. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen and amen.